Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Prep Life Podcast. This is your founder and CEO of Glam Girl Bikini, Amy Anger, today with my fabulous co-host. Hey, guys. This is Chris Nicole, Glam Girl Bikini Coach and IFBB Bikini Pro. So I hope all of our listeners had a happy Valentine's Day yesterday. Mm -hmm. Chris, did you do anything these last seven days to celebrate Valentine's Day? No, uh, TC was, has been away at work. So, um, I spent Valentine's day with my dog Diego, which was, uh, definitely, uh, he's a lover. So I love him. Um, and we're probably going to celebrate Valentine's day and his birthday, TC's birthday, um, sometime in March, probably at the Arnold festival. So, um, we're just postponing our celebrations. So How about for you? You're going to the Arnold. That'll be so much fun. Yeah, yeah, we bought tickets. We actually, the first year we met, that was going to be like our, one of our first dates was to go to the Arnold together. Oh, wow. And then COVID hit and we never went. So um, they're bringing it back this year. So as his like birthday gift and for Valentine's Day, um, we got tickets and booked our hotel. So we'll be able to finally enjoy the expo together. I'm excited to see. Um, I've only been there once with you. Oh, yeah, that's true. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that was the year I competed, and Coach Karina came with us. and Yeah, that was it was fun. so fun. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, so we – so I had my family in town, my mom and dad, and then my brother and my sister-in-law, who's expecting, and we had a blast. We did all of the things. Um, we went out to a Greek restaurant that's, like – I mean, they – break plates on the floor they have like a belly dancer Mm -hmm. they like light cheese on fire and it's all like wow it's like this big show while you're eating greek food so that was pretty fun um we just did a bunch of different random activities so yeah and then of course we had the super bowl so that was did you stay up for the whole thing (laughs) did you watch it no i don't let the super bowl interrupt my sleep (laughs) (laughs) yeah you're on the east coast time so it's a little bit more rough but yeah but yeah, speaking of Valentine's Day, this is off the topic of what today's uh, podcast, today's podcast is based on the Smarter, Faster, Better book that is basically your guide to a very productive life. And it's by Charles Duhigg. I think that's such a silly last name. Mm-hmm. A Duhigg. I thought that was a typo. <laughs> nope. It's, <laughs> I think I'm pronouncing it right. So that's what you're going to have in store for you today. But I, I've always wanted to do a podcast on the love languages because they're Mm -hmm. highly researched it's a very good way to build relationships and I think as a prep coach like for me I not only try to relay it into my romantic life and I think Mm -hmm. everybody that's in a relationship with a person should read the five love languages it's a great book it really teaches you a lot about the fact that you maybe give and receive love different than other people and we have to kind of understand that not everybody receives love in the same way and Mm -hmm. I'll just quickly go over the five and then if I thought thought it'd be fun if we just both shared what ours were um, our significant others and then how we relay that to when we know what our because I ask my clients like what their love languages are it's a different dynamic in that relationship but I think it can be applied to be a good coach to understand how your client receives encouragement type Mm -hmm. of thing. So uh, I'll start with mine. So mine are words of affirmation. 
And basically that just means I like the card more than <laughs> the gift because um, one of the other uh, love languages is gift giving. And that's probably like my lowest one. I feel really awkward and uncomfortable when someone gives me something, <laughs> but I absolutely love a card. So um, just the words. Uh, so if, you know, if somebody were to say like kind words on social media or something like that's mm -hmm. totally the way to my heart. And then, um, so my husband definitely knows that, that I like to hear how he feels about me. And then my second one is quality time. And it just is really important for me. Like even with my friendships, relationships, like with clients and loved ones that I'm able to spend quality time with them and have like good experiences. So, um, my husband's the opposite. He's like touch and um acts of service which is the Ooh. fourth one so he that's why he enjoys like cooking food for me and meal prepping and uh, he likes the acts of service part of it um to like do things for me um to show me he loves me and then he he's also touch so um i kind of get itchy sweater syndrome i'm not like a real big like touchy-feely person mm -hmm. so i have to like really go out of my way to make sure that I do that. But if I have like a client that, you know, their words of affirmation, then I always make sure that I give them like a shout out on social media and like say kind words about them. Or I always try to like make sure like my verbal, you know, what I write to them in their check-ins or what I speak to them. I, I try to make sure that I am showing them, you know, encouragement through their, through my words. But then you know, if I have a client that their love language is gift giving, then I try to make them feel special on their birthday by like sending them a little something, stuff like that. So those are my examples. Why don't you go with yours if you don't mind? Yeah, that would be great. So my first love language uh, is physical touch. So um, I honestly find that this is like the way that I like to be receive love with people that are like very very close to me so like I don't if it's like my boyfriend and again it doesn't have to be anything like super sexual just like holding a hand or sitting next to somebody or like um like I like when my mom plays with my hair like those types of things so people that are really close to me and um I receive that love in that aspect um but my second um, love language is words of affirmation and across the board I can say that I receive um, love from anybody uh, in a really um, what's the word I just accept it really easily because I always feel like I'm filled up when somebody gives me a compliment or just they tell me that they're doing a good job or that they can see positive changes like those types of things like definitely like light my fire when Amy, when you give me like loom responses on my check-in and you tell me that you see like my post delts growing or you're really proud of me for like sticking to my diet when I was having a really awful week, like those things like propel me forward and make me want to like continue. So um, I think that's an easier way that I express love as well, too, just to kind of encourage people and let them know that there, there are positive things and they're doing a good job. Um, so I think it's very, like, person-dependent for me on, like, what my love language is. But, um, 
Yeah. I ask your clients what theirs is and try to No, but now I'm so curious. Yeah, because I'm a big person into like the uh, emotional intelligence type of thing where I like to understand either like my client's Enneagram or they're mm-hmm. one of the four tendencies. And then love languages is just another layer of knowing them and how they receive love. Um, I mean, I think it's just a good insight to have as a coach if you understand that because like, for example, for the longest time, I always felt so uncomfortable because my mother-in-law would give me gifts and um she gave me so many gifts and like I just felt so uncomfortable because it's my least one but then I understood Mm -hmm. like that's actually her love language and so a lot of people don't understand like the way that they receive love so is different than how other people receive it so yeah she was making me feel uncomfortable and now I understand like that's her love language and so mm-hmm. now I try to be like very receptive and like really appreciate because she really puts a lot of thought into the gift and like tries mm-hmm. to figure out what the exact thing that person would want. And that's like really fulfilling to her. So I try, you know, my best to like really be excited about it. Cause I know that that's her way of showing me love now. So yeah, um, that makes a lot of sense. But yeah. Okay. So onto the book, you ready to rock? Yeah, this out? let's do it. Okay. Yeah. So this book is basically just how to be more productive. So when we're talking the prep life, just being more efficient and some of these, you know, ideals or the philosophies in this book are very much what we've talked about on the podcast. Like when it comes to goal setting, when it comes to making stretch goals, uh, staying motivated, staying focused. So the way it broke it down, we kind of put it into 24 takeaways. So the main chapters there's eight chapters and the first chapter is motivation second one's focus third one is teamwork fourth is goal setting five is managing others six making decisions seven innovation and then eight absorbing information and even the absorbing information we've talked about in the podcast where everything you need to learn from and grow from whether it's a negative experience whether it's a positive experience just taking that piece of information and using it so that you can be better the next time. So Mm -hmm. I felt like we kind of could break it down into smaller bite-sized chunks out of those topics, but it definitely will help you become exceptional achiever um, in anything that you do. So when we're talking competition prep, we're going to try to relate this book in that regard to it. Um, Mm -hmm. he in the ninth chapter kind of goes over how he uses these eight principles to actually write this book and so I thought it'd be fun to kind of do that with um, the prep life and kind of go through these takeaways and how that can translate to all of our listeners and how you can apply this to your prep so the first takeaway is you can't rely on someone else to tell you what to do or uh, to motivate you and that's so true it's you're gonna have to when you make the decision to do contest prep, it's so important that you find that motivation within yourself. So I think the reason why you're doing the contest prep is a really good place to start. And, you know, because you're going to have, you're going to have some really tough times. It's really difficult to prep. There's Mm going to be some struggles and you have to have a solid concrete reason to start. And, you know, you're not going to be able to 
I think we've known each other for long enough that yeah. um, sometimes, like, if I suggest, like, oh, you should compete now or whatever, like, that doesn't ever work until <laughs> you get it in your head, like, I feel ready to compete, you know? Yeah. And I've learned over the years to not do those kind of things because you have to be ready. You have yeah. to, like, mentally prepare. And sometimes you need to spend more time in an improvement season. Sometimes, like, you want to mm -hmm. jump in and go all in. But I think you have to, like – be ready within yourself. So that was takeaway number one. Do you want to take the second one? Sure. So when people believe they're in control, they tend to work harder and push themselves more. So um, we can relate this to, um, actually, Amy taught me this trick. When you have a client who needs to go further into a deficit, Sometimes asking them what they would prefer, would you prefer like a nutritional calorie drop or would you prefer a cardio increase? Um, sometimes giving them that option helps them uh, feel more in control and be able to comply with those changes a little bit easier than, you know, having a coach just constantly telling you, this is, this is the change we're doing now. Um, and I know that that is when I feel as an athlete that I have a little bit, if, if I have options, it makes it easier for me to make those changes rather than just having somebody give me instruction each week. Uh, because then it can start to feel like, okay, now I'm getting food taken away. Now I'm getting, um, I have to push harder. And when it's like kind of your option, it makes it a different, uh, it, it brings a different perspective. Yeah, when we're empowered to make decisions, it creates a dynamic that you're actually in control, too, of your results. So it's not just a dictation, yeah. like, do this, do that, hope for the best. But when you play a role in it, you know your body best. So you're going to be able mm -hmm. to really, you know, cultivate a dynamic that works, that's going to motivate you, and it's also going to give your coach insight on you know, the best way to get you to get the results because there's so many different ways to get to the same result. Like you yes. said, like maybe this person wants to do more steps. Maybe they want to do more cardio. They don't want to eat less food. You know, they mm -hmm. want to eat higher food, but do more activity or yeah. vice versa. So that's a good one. All right. I'm going to go on to number four and I'll have you circle back to number three. So okay. motivation is a skill that can be developed and cultivated and I feel like with motivation, it doesn't just, it's not something that just comes and goes. You have to make sure that you're setting yourself up to be successful and achieve certain um, rank. Like if you kind of make a scaffolding for a big, large goal and mm -hmm. you break it up and you feel like you're in control and doing like certain steps like breaking down certain goals, then you're going to be more likely to achieve that. Um, and you just need to be really in control of your decisions and your actions and be like super realistic with yourself. And I mm -hmm. feel like that's the best way to motivate yourself is just really taking an assessment. Like, where am I starting? You know, where do I need to be to achieve this long-term goal? And a lot of that happens on that first phone call, you know, so that yeah. we know like, a clear timeline of what things you're going to need to do to execute to get to this bigger picture thing. And 
knowing that your daily actions are contributing to that long-term goal is going to be really helpful in breaking it down to like the 24 hours type of thing. I actually really like that analogy of talking about the scaffolding. Like you're each day and each time you're doing some form of action towards the end goal of the physique you want to bring, you're like building, you're like building the house, right? So it's like brick by brick, you're putting the pieces together. You can't just like have the house standing and operating optimally if it's not had the time to like be fully developed. Um, so yeah, I like that. Okay. So number three is one way to prove to ourselves that we are in control is by making decisions. So we know that to get to a competition lean physique, you need to lose body fat. You need to be in a deficit. It requires a lot of times being uncomfortable. So those are the the facts. But if we have a little bit of decision making, that can help it um, help us continue forward a little bit easier. So a good example is having a macro budget over following a strict meal plan or having a meal plan with options versus just like one option meal plan um, so that you're able to make decisions of what foods you want to eat that day, what sounds good to you, maybe what's on sale, what you what is easy to prepare. Um, I know that's made a big difference for me is just being able to have some flexibility. I don't feel um, because like feeling constantly restricted, it, it oftentimes like breeds the opposite result because we're trying to get out of it. So that's worked really well for me is just having some flexibility within the, the food choices that I get to have. Yeah. And that can even be like, just like your exercises too. Like if you're one of those people that gets bored in the gym, um, mm-hmm. you know, if you think about one particular exercise, maybe you don't like this particular machine. You don't have to, you can get a, the same result by like hitting a different angle and like maybe using like cables or like dumbbells, yes. um, kind of mixing up some variety. And then same with like cardio, you know, maybe you just, it's so brutal to be on what I call her the step mom, but that's the step mill. <laughs> you absolutely hate it. It's like torture, but then like you find it's really an enjoyable experience if you're doing like some battle ropes or, you know, whatever it is, but like, yeah, there's more than one way to get to the same goal again. So make sure that you're making decisions that can align with some success for you that you're going to be able to stick to and sustain. Um, number seven is make a chore into a meaningful decision and self-motivation will emerge. So for me, when I was first starting out in my competition journey, um, I was a huge exerciser and athletic person my whole life. I kind of just ate whatever. Um, and mm. I got a blood panel back when I was 31. That's when I started competing, uh, that said that I had high cholesterol. And so I knew that, you know, I could always kind of eat whatever and it didn't really matter. But, um, seeing that my cholesterol was putting me at risk for cardiovascular disease and that I would have to maybe go on a medication, it really motivated me to start eating like clean and making sure I reduced my animal fats. And so typically I would think like eating like low fat meats and things can kind of be a chore, but like if you think about like the higher purpose that it produces, when I did that, my LDLs went way down. And so it was something that was like, um, you know, it could have been like a kind of 
pain in the butt type of thing to do to like give up fast food and stuff like that. But uh, the long-term goal that I was trying to achieve had like a really deep meaning. So it was easier to make that life change, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, Or did you have something else to add? Sorry. Oh, I was going to do number six. Oh, okay. So um, that kind of, because it goes kind of off of what you were talking about, Amy, um, like linking something that you care about. I know for me, the um, like getting in steps. So there's like a couple things in prep that I absolutely like adore. And then there's a couple things that are just brutal. And I don't know what for some reason, but like tracking my steps and trying to get a step count in each day. It's just never super enjoyable to me, but um, if I associate it with some type of result that um, like I want to achieve, so I carry more body fat in like my hips and my thigh area. So when I'm walking, I just try and associate it or think like, okay, this action is helping me bring down body fat. Um, and it's like easily to, it's easy to connect that because I'm like moving my legs. So I'm moving the area that I'm thinking like, this is going to help me, um, lean down my legs. Um, and whether or not that's scientifically true or not, you know, we can't spot train, but I just kind of link that action or that assignment within my prep with, uh, a result and, I want to bring down body fat in my, my legs. I know that that's something that will make me look better on stage. So I just kind of like link the action with the end result. And that helps me just make sure I hit my step goal every day. That's perfect. Okay. And then number eight is it doesn't matter who is on the team. What matters is how the team works together. And they did these studies, case studies in the book on just different teams at the workplace And they tried to figure out like what made the dynamic work. And I relate this to hiring a coach. So Mm. I think it doesn't matter how knowledgeable the coach is, how much they know, how much experience they've had over the years and, you know, what degrees they have, what certifications at the end of the day, what matters is how they work with that athlete and communicate with them. So number mm-hmm. one skill you can have as a coach is understanding what's going to make the client the most successful and connecting those dots and communicating that in a way that they're receptive so that they have the best adherence. And so that's what I think of number eight. So, yeah, I like that. And number nine is uh, it's important that team members feel safe to express their opinions and that everyone understands their own individual role. So um, similarly to what was mentioned before, I really like it or try to encourage clients to give me feedback on things um, and really just everything, Uh, even if it's like their specific workouts or like, you know, um, we're trying to build like upper glutes. So how how is your glute need connection? Are you feeling it on? this exercise or that exercise or like give me feedback on what foods you're noticing are causing distension in your stomach. Like uh, some people, I think that they, their job is just to like follow the program, not say anything and just like put their head down and, and plow through. 
And I think there's a very valuable connection between a coach and client where you can convey different information and feel heard. So like letting them know, like the information you're giving me is helping me like move you forward towards your end goal. Um, Some things may be more relevant than others, but having that open communication is like the teamwork that I think can really make a difference. Yeah. And then number 11 is automation can be a hindrance to our ability to focus. And in the book, they give the example of how um, when a plane is on autopilot, there's only a small portion where the, the plane's actually being like flown by the pilot. So it's like takeoff and landing. And most of the rest of the time, autopilot is on for the duration. And so they gave this example of how a crash, a plane crash could have been easily avoided but because the autopilot turned off and the pilots were focusing on the wrong thing, they ended up crashing. And it was like they didn't know how to like move outside that box. And I kind of equate this to our posing, and I know that's kind of a stretch, but when I think about like sometimes posing, we can go through the motions and it's pretty automatic. It's a short routine. Yeah. You know, if you're NPC, it's like a 10-second routine. It's fast, but like – just the example today, um, Chris and I were working on posing right before the podcast, and uh, we were talking about different foot pressures and like uh, trying to balance on most posing is balance in one leg versus the other. Mm-hmm. And we are kind of breaking it down from the floor up a little bit, uh, which yeah. is different. So just making the brain like think about something in a different way. Um, and so I feel like that can sometimes recenter the focus on kind of like moving into the technique to really think about like what your body is doing and have that body awareness. But I don't know what your thoughts are on that. No, that definitely makes that you explain that really well. I know sometimes you'll see people enter on stage and they're like counting the steps in their head, like um, just like each body parts broken down and it may be like technically um, executed well, but the presentation aspect of it is kind of lost. So I think that's a really good, um, that's a really good example with the posing. Um, Okay, so uh, if you give people opportunity to feel a sense of control and let them practice making choices, they can learn to exert willpower. Um, once people know how to make self-directed choices into a habit, motivation becomes more automatic. And I think that's an important role as a coach, just to make sure that you're educating people on why something is suggested for them, why you're making changes to their programming, why making this choice would benefit their, um, progress better than a different choice. Um, so again, like the communication thing. Yeah, and I know that there's, and I'm not trying to throw anybody under the bus, but I know that there's coaches that are just like, I'm not here. It's not my job to, like, give you my education of my, like, last 10 years and my experience. It's not my job to do that. It's my job to just make the adjustments to your program. But, like, I personally like to explain why, like, okay, so I adjusted this in your program because I saw this and I want to improve that. So I do give them a reason for any changes that I make. I just feel like sometimes in the past when I didn't do like the videos, it would be like, I know at least 
since I sit on the other side of this fence where I'm always an athlete being coached Mm -hmm. by somebody, it gives me like anxiety and worry when somebody does something and I'm thinking in my head, like, what are they seeing? Do I look awful? Like they just did this huge cut, but like that might not even be what they're thinking. They're just, you know, they just wanted to make like a slight change because we're getting a little bit closer to the show. You don't look like garbage. Like, you know what I mean? So, um, so yeah, I just think that that explanation can kind of give somebody peace of mind. And Mm -hmm. I think that, walking the walk makes it important to understand like sometimes those insecurities that athletes can feel. And I guess that's why I'm like, I try to be like overly explanatory. And then if they do have a question, like why did you make this change? Like I would like to understand this. I'm always open to, to explaining it because I feel like they have a right to know and it will ultimately give them more buy-in because Mm -hmm. if they don't know why, I'm doing it. I just feel like it's hard, especially if somebody is like a questioner tendency, if they don't know why they're doing it, they're not likely to follow through with it. Honestly, from what my experience has shown. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. People are people and they're not robots. So I think treating them as individuals, uh, I think you get better results. They have a better experience and you also invest in their longevity as well. Yep. And then number 12 is, self-motivation is a choice we make because it is part of something bigger and more emotionally rewarding than the immediate task that needs doing. So if you want good intrinsic motivation, it's kind of like how I was giving the example of the cholesterol. So maybe you have an example on how you make your competition world into something bigger so that you're you're more emotionally rewarded rather than just like the task of doing your steps that you hate or something. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I just think of like what motivates me is thinking about the other competitors. Like uh, they are not like the top of the top or the elite because they are slacking on their responsibilities. Like every little 1% matters when you are in like high level competition. So um, I don't want to be the person that's lost in the back. I want to be up towards the front. So that kind of motivates me just like remembering like what, how far I'm reaching because I need to make those little incremental changes every day to get to the end point. Yeah. And so we're hitting the halfway point of this list. I, I apologize. I did not know it would take this long, but we should know better. Uh, so I think we're going to break this episode in half and continue the other part. This was kind of the motivation and focus. So essentially we got through, oh, and teamwork, I guess. So yeah, we're like at chapter three. Um, but yeah, we have, we have 12 more takeaways from here. So we will end it there. And stay tuned for part two of the (laughs) smarter, faster, better. All right. Um, With that, we are heading out to Phoenix, Arizona this weekend. So, I mean, it's not too late to sign up for the retreat. It's still on the website. It is Saturday and Sunday. So we'll have to recap that when we get back uh, next week and let you know how that went. I know I'm super excited to see Chris here in the next couple of days to head out there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So if you would like to apply for the team, you can go to glamgirlbikini.com and hit the get started button. And then, you know, maybe if you just, you know, get a wild hair and want to fly out to Phoenix on Saturday, 
because yeah. the weather's bad, then just go to that same website and you'll hit on you'll hit the season kickoff retreat and register there. And we are gonna be at the Arizona Grand Resort and Spa. It's gonna be a blast. A lot of fun females and Celeste Rainsturk um will be working on the mindset and doing so we'll be as glam girl coaches doing some workouts, cardio, upper body, lower body. We're gonna do some posing. It's gonna be an epic weekend so I'm super pumped yeah. it's um, a great way to kick off the year yeah for sure the competition season absolutely so if you'd like to find us on Instagram you can go to at prep life podcast or at glam girl bikini and this is your founder and CEO of glam girl bikini signing off Amy Anger with my fabulous co-host and this is Chris Nicole glam girl bikini coach and IFBB bikini pro thanks for listening guys